Isn't it so wonderful when we have the assurance that God's eye is looking upon us and that he's ready to help us in time of trouble? You know, it can give us such comfort and confidence that God is with us as we continue on our journey in life. And you might ask the question, how can we have that assurance? Well, I want to look at another psalm with you this week. And this time we're going to be looking at Psalm 33. And it's one of the few early psalms that does not have an inscription, but we still think that it was written by King David, a man who loved the presence of the Lord, who trusted in God. And we're just going to read the last portion of this psalm. And so if we can read this together in Psalm 33 and verse 13. And it says, The Lord looks from heaven, he beholds all the sons of men, From the place of his habitation, he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts alike. He considers all their works. There's no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy." to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. And so we see this writer, probably King David, having a perspective, whether it was through a vision or with the eyes of faith, He sees the Lord up in heaven, and he's looking down upon us, upon mankind. And the Lord is looking at us as the work of his hands. And we're going about our daily lives, and he sees all of our works, all of our responses, and he sees, at times, how we like to be self-sufficient, self-reliant. Sometimes we can have our plans, and then we have our backup plans in case things go wrong, and Uh, to make it through times of difficulty. But, you know, even though David was king over Israel and he had a great army and he had conquered and subdued all the kingdoms that were surrounding Israel and he had horses and he had surrounded himself with mighty men of valor, and even though he had all of those things, he recognized that putting his trust in those things would be in vain because he knew that there is only one thing in life that's worth placing our trust in and that is the mercy or the loving kindness of the Lord. This can be very applicable to, to us today because uh, in times past perhaps we could have focused on things that we felt would give us security like a big bank account or a good investment account, a nice house or an abundance of possessions. All of those things would make us feel protected, provided for, secure against the future. Now, I'm not saying that we should not have any of those things. In fact, David had all of them and more. But what he was declaring in this psalm was that in reality, none of that is worthy of trust. None of the things that David had were worthy of his trust. There's only one thing that is worthy, and that is trusting in the mercy and loving kindness of the Lord. As the psalmist says in verse 19, 
we can trust in him uh, to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine or maybe even pandemics or viruses. And so it's important that we gain this same perspective as the psalmist, that the Lord's looking down from heaven upon his creation. And as David says, we can look back to him that he's worthy to place our trust in. He is trustworthy even in difficult times and perhaps especially in difficult times. Yet there's one thing we need to notice in the words of the psalmist. Because who is the Lord looking to? Who is the likely candidate that the Lord will look to from heaven and stretch forth his hands of mercy and loving kindness towards? Well, we can look again at verse 18 that says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. And so God is looking at He's seeking out those who fear him and hope in his mercy. And so these are two qualities we need to understand, we need to develop in our lives so that we can safely rely upon the loving kindness of the Lord. Now, the Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. And basically, the fear of the Lord is to have a deep reverence and respect for God and his ways. It's to embrace and follow after what he loves and avoid what he hates, which is sin. There's a verse in Proverbs 19 and verse 23 that says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he that has it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. And so, having a deep reverence and respect for the Lord and his ways leads to life. Not just any life, but one where we can abide satisfied, whole, complete, in safety. It's a life where evil cannot just randomly come against us because we are under the mighty hand of God. Now, it's not that we will never experience some of the bad things that can happen in life. But it's that we can trust that it is under the total control of our loving Heavenly Father, and we can rest in that. I like how another translation states this verse. In Proverbs 19.23, it says, Showing respect to the Lord brings true life. If you do it, you can relax without fear of danger. You see, it's the fear of danger that the Lord wants to deliver us from because fear is destructive. Fear is the enemy of faith. And what can destroy fear is a life that is set on reverencing the ways of God, of loving his ways, of honoring his ways. Now, It helps to understand this by comparing the two great kings of Israel. We looked at King David, but David had a son named Solomon. And there was a difference between these two men. Now, David made mistakes in his life. That's clear in scripture. Yet, he always came back to that place of the fear of the Lord. When he sinned, 
he cried out to God to make him clean and to bring him back to that place of reverence and respect for God's ways. But King Solomon, he was a great king. He was the wisest man on all the earth in that day. And he had a wonderful and glorious reign, a very good start to his life. However, if we continue reading the chapters, we see that he also had a sad end. And what was the difference? Well, when you consider it, Solomon, even though he was very wise, he lacked the fear of the Lord. Solomon did not avoid things that would be detrimental to his walk with God. He allowed relationships to take place with other women who did not love the Lord. In fact, they worshipped idols. And the scripture tells us that those relationships eventually turned his heart away from God. Even with all the wisdom that Solomon had, he did not see the danger of those things. And that led to his sad ending. But David's testimony, as it says in Acts 13.22, it says he was a man after God's own heart who fulfilled all of his will. He pleased God because he followed after those things in life that pleased God. And he avoided those things that would not please him. And that's the fear of the Lord. And that's what will keep us from the fear of evil. Now, the second thing that Psalm 33 talks about and that the Lord is looking for is those that hope in his mercy. And hope is a powerful thing. We see this in operation many times in David's life. And when he was younger, David had to hide in the desert of Judah for many years because King Saul was constantly seeking his life. And so David was moving from one location to another on the run, so to speak. But it taught him to hope in God. He experienced the deliverance of God in one instance, and so he knew he could trust in God that he would continue to deliver him. And so he fixed his eyes upon the Lord. I want to read another psalm with you. And this is Psalm 57. And here is David's cry to the Lord or his testimony, you could say. Psalm 57 and verse 7, it says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory, awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let thy glory be above all the earth. That was the choice that David made in the midst of many difficult situations. He said, Lord, my heart is fixed. I've chosen to hope in you and rejoice in that hope. And that must have just warmed the heart of God. We know that because God has declared that he delights in those that fear him and hope in his mercy. And David learned this about God in his time in the wilderness. Now, I was thinking of another example from David's life, and it was a situation later on when David placed his hope in God, even though it seemed as if there was no hope. And that was the story of 
Absalom's rebellion against David. And when David gets the news that Absalom has raised up an army against David, he has to flee from Jerusalem. So he organizes the people. He leads them away. And of course, they're weeping and mourning as they're having to flee from their city. And in the midst of this situation, there's a man named Shimei. And what does this man do? He curses and he throws stones and dirt at David, saying that this was the Lord's judgment against David. Now, it was in part. David had experienced a lot of trouble because of his sin with Bathsheba. And there were consequences because of that. But this man, Shimei, was a relative of King Saul and used this occasion to curse David for defeating Saul and replacing him as king. And and he thought David was finished at this point. And David's men said to him, can we go up and silence this man? But what I want to key in on here is David's reaction. The natural response was seen in David's servant. They wanted to silence Shimei. No one wanted to hear this. But what did David say? Let's read those words in 2 Samuel 16 and verse 11. It says, And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life, and how much more now may this Benjamite. Let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction, and the Lord will will repay me with good for his cursing this day. David had learned something about the Lord, that we can place our hope in him. Consider what a difficult situation they were in and what sorrow they were experiencing. But in the midst of that, David was able to lift his head to heaven and say, don't touch this man, because perhaps the Lord will see it and he'll have mercy on me. It was almost as if David was looking at this unjust situation and the words that were being spoken at him. And he was saying, I'm a candidate for the mercy of God. And so I will place my hope in him. Now, there wasn't a lot of dancing for joy in this situation. But David's heart was fixed upon the Lord. I want to mention one more psalm. And in Psalm 3, it was written during this time of David having to flee from Absalom. And it starts off by saying that there are many that have risen up against him. And let's read this together in Psalm 3 and verse 3. And it says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And, you know, David's ability to rejoice in hope in these kind of situations always amazes me. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart. In the midst of that hopeless situation, 
he lifted his eyes to the Lord and he said, Lord, you're my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I'm not going to be afraid because my hope is in you. And that hope kept him. Because, and it became, as it says in, in Hebrews 6, 19, it says, talks about hope being an anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast, at which enters within the veil, within his presence. And, you know, in these times, God desires to give us a hope in him, a hope that will be our anchor, that no matter the circumstances, we can be fixed and rest in hope. And that's important because the closing verse to our Psalm 33, you know, if we look at Psalm 33 and verse 22, it says this. It says, Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. It seems as if it's according to the measure of our hope, so will we experience his mercy and loving kindness. You know, we might not have a word from God in a situation. We might not know all of the details or how things are going to uh, come to pass, what's the outcome of the situation can be going to be, but we can turn to hope. And as Peter says, it can become a living hope within us. It is alive because it allows us to look beyond our present circumstances. In fact, it's a hope that takes us beyond this life into the glorious kingdom of God. And so let's remember the words of the psalmist, that the Lord is looking upon his creation, longing to show his marvelous loving kindness and his mercy. Yet we remember that he says, the ones who will know this will be the ones that fear him and who hope in his mercy. It'll be to those who respect and reverence his ways and avoid evil. And to those who have fixed their hearts upon the Lord, to set their hope in him, and that hope will become sure and steadfast within us, an anchor for our soul. God bless you.